Stay thirsty, my friends. Boots to asses. But they are who we thought they were. All right, what's happening, everybody? We're back. This is experience podcast it's great to be back with everybody happy holidays as we approach christmas coming up next week guys like tanner mentioned on the bird's nest christmas came early for the eagles i gotta tell you what a win they got against. it's about damn time daniel hurts played well over 100 rushing yards over 100 passing yards and t i want to get your first impressions your thoughts what you saw from jalen mm-hmm. uh definitely a better performance than what we've been seeing from Wentz. so just overall from the Saints game without Drew Brees, obviously starting at quarterback, what did you think of Jalen Hurts' first game as an Eagle? I came starting? away I came away very impressed. Um, I didn't come out with a gridiron films yet before this episode. A little bit of a busy work schedule, so I'm going to get that to you in a couple of days. But what, from what I've seen, man, I, I came away very impressed. Remember, you've got to remember, this, this is a Saints defense that is ranked number one overall. That means in their passing defense, their ranking pass defense and run defense, they're top three. This is the number one ranked defense, and he came in, and he, he looked like he belonged. Like, of course, there were some errant throws. Of course, you know, those are things that he's got to work on. And, you know, I honestly, I came in with low expectations as everybody, you know, listened last week. And, you know, me and Tanner predicted the loss. So I guess we got to we got to eat that, unfortunately, it's me and Tanner. But, you know. Hey, listen, we're not going to bet the Eagles are going to beat the Saints. That's just not realistic. N- no, not at all. Not at all. We took the safe bet. But, you know, of course, we got to eat crow. But it's all good. It's all good. Max got one win. But anyway. <laughs> it was it was refreshing to see a mix of run and pass, run and pass. Miles Sanders, that big 70-plus yard run, like that was very refreshing to see. And it almost seemed like this entire team, including the offense and the defense, like they just came in with some new swagger, with some new energy. Like this is unlike anything that I've seen throughout this entire season. And I'm actually, I, I'm actually excited recording this yeah, like i'm not course, down man. in the dumps i'm not like oh god i gotta do this again like i'm i'm thoroughly excited and i look forward to what this team can do going forward especially against the cardinals now i agree with tanner once again i'm not betting for them because you know listen i still don't trust this team let's be honest here this team is still a mystery and you're going up against a cardinals team that is improving week by week in that you know they are you know they're in contention for the playoffs so that's their goal so of course, they're not. They're not going to be like you know. They're not going to play with us. They're going to try to smack us in the mouth and put us in our place. So it's going to be an interesting matchup come Sunday. Yeah, see, I want to get your thoughts on the film once you get back to it uh, and, and be able to watch it because from what I saw, I think hurts two things that he does much better than Wentz in this first start was be able to hit those easy passes. I just figured like everything was a little bit more simplified. A few screens, a few. Uh, out routes uh, by the receivers, by the tight ends, those easy completions. And he was hitting them for the most part. And also the the mobility he has. Now we knew he could run, but just running 18 times, mm-hmm. rushing for over 100 yards, which was super impressive. So overall, I don't want to get too excited because this is something new. Like we mentioned, the Saints had their third game in a row on the road, which is tough to do in any league, especially the NFL, without Drew Brees as their quarterback. Right. Um, I want to get your thoughts here on Jake Elliott, though, missing a 22-yard field goal attempt. Now, again, we won the game, so it's probably not the first priority or the first thought that comes to mind with this we know it's hard. It's kicking situation. But Jake Elliott's been shaky all year long, uh, and I'm sure you don't like what you see from him. 
I've been on record of saying that I hate kickers and that continues still to this day. Um, kickers have one job. Okay. From my understanding, you know, they don't run scrimmages with the rest of the team. You know, they don't, you know, go into the weight room and work on weights and whatnot. You're a damn kicker. Your one job is to kick it through the outrights. And Jake Elliott has been highly disappointing this entire season. And at this point, man, if you can't do your job, then guess what? You know what you can do? Jake Elliott straight up. Get the f- out just get out get out I don't need your services i can find another kicker you better get yourself together otherwise you're gonna be looking for another job and i it, like it, it it's disappointing considering the fact that you know from long range he's more reliable but the but the gimmies the gimme kicks that i yeah. really expect you to hit now they're question marks but now you're you've been a question mark this entire season i have a problem with that like i said you're a kicker what are you yep. what are you missing kicks for all right. Now, luckily, luckily, Will Lutz, the kicker for the Saints, missed a few of his own. Uh, but I want to flip it over to the other side of the ball here because uh, as impressive as Jalen Hurts was, the defense looked just as impressive, maybe even more impressive. Taysom Hill on the stat sheet didn't have a horrible game, but overall the Eagles' defensive intensity just stepped up big. And to Tanner's point about Darius Slay not having as great of a season as we thought he would. Now he's got to go up against DeAndre Hopkins. If he uh, Michael plays. Thomas, if he, it's if he plays, right? Still in concussion protocol. Uh, but but from this defensive perspective, overall, they played a great game, probably their best game of the season. Uh, Josh Sweat, a nice strip sack there on Taysom Hill overall. So from this defense, T, uh, do you think they can keep up this intensity or is it going to be a point down the road where – their, their mindset of, oh, Jalen Hurts, new quarterback in the game, let's play hard. Is that going to wear off as the season comes to an end? If they want to continue winning games, um, winning games down this stretch, they don't have no other choice but to bring that intensity. And they're, they're really going to have to bring it now, you know, considering the fact that, you know, now you may be down your top two corners going into the Cardinals game in Avante Maddox and Darius Slay. Darius Slay being a concussion protocol. I think Maddox have some leg issues, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and also, you lost Rodney McLeod to an ACL. So you lost him for the rest of the year. So this secondary is going to need help, serious help. And it needs to get it from that front seven. I say front seven because that includes that defensive line and it includes those sorry linebackers. As, as, as much as I know that we can't rely on them, you don't have no other choice at this point because you, you're going to need all the help you can get for that, for that backfield. All right, so... This pass rush is going to need to come a whole lot more intense than they have been. Now, I've seen them wake up a little bit against the Saints, but I really need them to come full alive. All right, I need to see Brandon Graham get get back in the sack column again. All right, I need to see Derek Barnett get in the sack column. All right, now I see Josh Sweat starting to step up. Maybe I might give Josh Sweat a couple more snaps. I don't know. But I need to see these guys step up and really dominate the line of scrimmage because that's the only way that this Philadelphia Eagles team is going to win on Sunday. Now, it is looking like Slay is set to play on Sunday, so All keep right. that in mind going forward. We're not completely out of hope over there uh, in the secondary for the Eagles, but it's still going to be a challenging uh, challenging time for the secondary where you have DeAndre Hopkins back there, and through the past uh, few weeks, Darius Slay has showed us that maybe he can't uh, control the number one receiver on each team like we brought him in for. So that's something to think of and to observe going forward. Agreed a hundred percent. That's something that that's something to bring up, but you know, and then you have to go into the office and now you really got to find a number one shutdown corner. Maybe at this point in his career, you know, he's only good for shutting down a number two right receiver and that's fine, but you still need a number one shutdown corner. 
Yeah, it's just a shame that Howie Roseman went out and spent all that money on him, thinking he was going to be a shutdown number one corner of all these top now, receivers. And now, so far, now hold on. I know we attack Howie all the time, and I, I've definitely been on the record of attacking Howie. I, I want Howie gone. The likelihood of him being gone is slim to none. But I'm not going to attack him for the slave move only because he's he was he's still better than what we had last season. All right. Oh, definitely. If you compare yeah. him to all the corners that we had last season and even this season, he's still the best corner. Now he might be only be capable of covering the number two wide receiver at this point in his career, but that's fine. That's still a whole lot better than what I had last year. Now, T, can you attack him for not picking up DeAndre Hopkins in a trade for Miles Sanders? Would you do that trade? Hmm, I think I would. I would considering what we have a wide receiver. All right. I, yeah, I would. I, I can't attack him for that because, you know, I'm not – I'm not trying to defend Wentz. Let's let's get this out the way right now. I'm not trying to defend Wentz. He he's been playing horrible this season, and there's no getting around that. Um, I like the fact that they finally benched him to make him see things from a different perspective. However, I do think that Carson Wentz would at least look average at best if he had somebody like a DeAndre Hopkins out there on the other side to rely on and to throw to. I mean, just look at the guys that he's forced to throw to, all right? Alshon Jeffrey comes back, and he he really ain't worth two cents, all right? He had to throw – Jalen Hurts had to throw him a back shoulder fade in the end zone, which was a very good pass, by the way. Um, you have a Greg Ward who's really only good in the slot, but once again, that's an average receiver – you know, our figure white sides a bust. I think we can all say that at this point. Like, really, like, what are you? Who are your wide receivers at this point? Zach Ertz has regressed. Your only good receiver is a tight end, and got in Dallas Goddard. Let's be honest here. And I've showed everybody the gridiron films tape. Nobody's really getting open. Do you have to throw these guys open? Yes. Had, do you really need to rely more on the run game? Yes. Has this team failed that with Carson Wentz? Yes. All these things are a factor, but I still say Carson Wentz would have probably been a whole lot better if he at least had a DeAndre Hopkins out there. Now, That's one, one thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Tanner. I, I just no. wanted to talk about Wentz when you're finished here. Yeah, well, here, I'll, I'll lead you right into it because one thing that uh, T said that I really disagreed with was he said that the Eagles benched Carson Wentz to, you know, to – to set a fire up in them or, or get them motivated or whatever. I completely disagree Boy, with that. At this point in time, you could have benched him maybe three weeks ago and then did what, you know, what T thinks the Eagles are doing now. But what they're doing now is they're benching him because he sucks, T. Uh, it's too late to to bench him to, to teach him a lesson and to motivate him like they did Donovan McNabb. I know people are going to keep mentioning that. But this is this is different. Donovan McNabb, I believe he was only benched for a half of a game. He, not not a whole game and then another game. I have to go uh, back. I think it was that Baltimore Ravens game, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Because we tied so I, we tied against Cincinnati, and then, yeah, Kevin Cobb had started at some point in time. I got to go back and check. Situation is different. Uh, they're, they're benching Carson Wentz because he sucks. I think the time to bench Carson Wentz, if you were going to, would have been after that uh, Cleveland Browns game where he, he just had a horrible performance. And there was I excuses agree. about the rain and the storm that was – going through Cleveland but I think at that point his just mentally he was broken and then you know you go throw him out there against the Seahawks you throw him out there against the Packers um, and you know those two performances were terrible uh, I know that the Hail Mary against the Seahawks at the end of the game made it look closer than what it was but then he gets benched you know halfway through whatever in the third quarter of that Packers game and um, you know obviously Jalen Hurts is a shiny new toy um, we'll see what he can do moving forward and that's going to bring us into our look ahead 
before you, next week's game as before we, we look off the Saints. Before, oh, we look, before we look ahead, one more thing about Carson Wentz. And I know, Tanner, I know I know how you feel about Carson Wentz at this point. What's he here for? I understand completely. No, no, no. I'm still I, – I haven't given up complete hope on T. Don't, don't blame me with that yet. All right? I don't, I don't – I'm not quoted on anything saying that, you know, anything – really terribly bad about Carson besides the fact that he just and it's it's factual that he sucked this year and and there's but I have not completely given up hope on Carson Wentz and you you get no argument from me on that one and I just feel like this offense just looked like it was a breath of fresh air because you know you had a quarterback behind there that wasn't really making a whole lot of checks if you guys noticed it um I don't know if you guys um listened to the press conferences but Doug was asked about that because Jalen Hurts made one check um, I'm actually looking at that um, part of the tape now where Jalen Hurts made one check, but it was a check to a zone read. And it was an excellent, it was an excellent check, but that was only the one of few times where he actually made checks. You know, and you see Carson Wentz for the most part, when he comes up there, he's always changing something. He's always yelling, kill, kill. And, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe, I don't know. I may sound crazy when I say this, but maybe Doug Peterson isn't the issue. Maybe it was Carson Wentz changing the place. I don't know. I've been saying saying that Carson Wentz is the one going over there and changing plays, making Doug Peterson look bad, but it's still Doug Peterson calling the fourth down plays and going forward on fourth down for, you know, sometimes for no reason. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It it happened multiple times in this game against the Saints. Sometimes I was like, okay, that that was unnecessary. I just just don't think that those two can work together um successfully mm-hmm. and uh, this stat that i that i finally came up with i don't know if it's completely accurate i went through all the game stats nick Foles game logs and now added jalen hurts but doug peterson as a coach when carson wentz is not the head or when carson wentz wentz is not mm-hmm. the starting quarterback mm-hmm. doug peterson's record is 11 and 3 or 11 and 4 okay. but that's something to uh to pay attention to wow. stat wise and and really uh, goes with the fact that maybe Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz cannot coexist on the same team. That's an interesting point. Well, listen, I want to make a comparison here. I, I want to know if you guys agree to it. I think watching that Hurts game for me reminded me a lot of Mike Vick's game uh, back in 2010. You know, he comes in, Kevin Cobb gets injured, and he comes in, gives a spark, and, you know, just runs. And that, that's the thing. Mike Vick ran to to get yards on purpose. So I think I want to ask you guys about the comparison. Uh, Do you think that Hertz running 18 times, he obviously ran for yardage. He didn't just, you know, design uh, QB powers a few times, like he Mm -hmm. escaped the pocket and took off. So uh, obviously you can't do that 18 times a game as a quarterback because people will figure it out eventually, unless you have Lamar Jackson type of speed, which we all can agree that Jalen Hertz does not have. But overall, do you think, uh, or how long do you think that Jalen Hurts will be able to continue to run like this? Obviously, by the end of the season, uh, he should be able to continue to do it. There's not enough, not enough film on him. Uh, he's too talented, and he'll keep escaping. But going into next year, which is the real question here, which is where I want to get to the Wentz topic uh, that we've been discussing, uh, you're not going to be able to cut Carson Wentz. The money's too much. If you do, it's a cap hit of like $35 million, um, that mm-hmm. we've mentioned. So obviously, he's probably going to be in an Eagle uniform now. The question is, is Jalen Hurts more talented than Carson Wentz? Uh, I don't know the answer to that based off of one start from Jalen Hurts, but it's definitely a possibility because of how poor Carson Wentz played. So in my opinion, the first thing you got to change if you're going to keep Carson Wentz is the coach. Even if Doug Peterson and Jalen Hurts have a good combination there and they win football games, Carson Wentz is your guy. You're already married to him. You're not going to be able to get rid of him. So you got to get a new coach in here if Wentz and Peterson cannot get on the same page. Now, for me personally, I want Hurts to play well. Of course, I'm an Eagles fan. 
diehard. Uh, we want the Eagles to win, obviously. But from my point of view, I think Jalen Hurts being traded for either a pick or a player is more likely than cutting Wentz or trading Wentz and taking a cap hit. Do you guys agree with that? Now, to answer your first question about the comparison with Mike Vick and Jalen Hurts, I, I can kind of see the comparison because when Mike Vick came in around that time, I remember that season vividly. Um, when Mike Vick came in, um, you know, he came in with the reputation of being a running quarterback where Andy Reid turned him into a quarterback that could run. He sat back in that pocket and he still threw that football. Jalen Hurts was running because that offensive line is still, you know, horrendous. Let's be honest here. Like he was still facing pressure. That part I did see. He ran to avoid the sack, which is one thing Carson Wentz didn't do. He sat there in that pocket and just took hit after hit when you needed to escape or you needed to just throw that ball away and just live to see another down. So in terms of him running 18 times, do I think that's going to happen in the future? No, because I expect this. I expect this team to work on its offensive line issues. So, no, I don't expect Jalen Hurts to continue to uh, run 18 times during the game. And, no, he's not going to survive, you know, that onslaught of hits, you know, 18 times. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that was just my two, that was just my two cents on that, on that right there. Yeah. Uh, from a playmaking perspective, the Eagles now, they don't have too many strengths on offense right now. The O-line's banged up. The receivers aren't that talented. In fact, we only had six catches by a receiver this past uh, weekend against the Saints, which just isn't good enough. You need more production from your wide receiver position. Now tight ends obviously are still heavily favored in our offense. So moving forward, we don't have a ton of strengths to play with, but in order to win football games, which is the goal at the end of the day, you got to play to the strengths. And right now, Jalen Hurts is your, probably your number one strength uh, ahead of Miles Sanders. Now Miles Sanders broke off that big run, but besides that fact, the efficiency really wasn't there. 13 carries for 33 yards, other than that big 82 yard touchdown run, which really isn't that efficient. So you want to see more out of Miles Sanders to be able to churn yards upfield at a higher rate than what he's been doing lately. Now, not all of his fault, obviously bad offensive line, and there's reasons for that. But um, I think the wide receiver group just needs a makeover completely. And Jalen Rager, who we really hope that, you know, hope for the best for him, of course, uh, drafting him ahead of a few names, specifically Justin Jefferson. But it's pretty clear and obvious that there's Justin Jefferson's more talented flat out. And that's, I think, what's eating away at us is the fact that Jalen Rager, while he might be talented, he only catching 40, or two balls for 46 yards just isn't enough production. You know, when we have Justin Jefferson in Minnesota catching eight passes for 135 yards and a touchdown, you know, it's just, it's, it's just a different animal. And I think even if Jalen Rager is a talented player, he's just not a number one guy, which is why we drafted him. We drafted him to be that number one uh, star receiver. And he, his skill set is more of a speed guy than a number one big athletic type of outside presence. And I, I hear you on that one, and I definitely agree with you. Um, we can go back and look at the history of these wide receivers being picked in this draft and how many we missed. You know, I think of Whiteside over DK Metcalf and, you know, Terry McLaurin. You know, we can we can go back and, you know, and nitpick over all of the wide receivers that we could have had on this team. Let's be honest here. It is what it is. And do I agree with you that this wide receiver room needs to overhaul? Yes, because as we've seen, Travis Fulgham apparently isn't the wide receiver that we all thought he was. We all know Alshon Jeffrey needs to go. All right, I think a Whiteside Whiteside is a bust. Rager's still developing his game. So, yeah, and then you have a Greg Ward who's really um, an average slot receiver. So, yeah, I do agree with that this wide receiver room needs um, a total readjustment. And it doesn't surprise me that now we're going into the 2021 draft 
and we're talking about probably having to pick up another right receiver. Now, now, T, you said Travis Fulgham wasn't uh, wasn't what we thought he is, but we can't really, we don't really know that anymore because they put Alshon Jeffrey in because Alshon is healthier, and that's what Doug Peterson said. Uh, Travis Fulgham had a decline in plays because they're putting Alshon Jeffrey back in there, and Alshon is, you know, playing better and he's healthier. He's only playing better because uh, Jalen Hurts is out there on the yeah, field, much. Uh, making everybody look better, and. I, I want to go back to what Max said about trading Jalen Hurts for a player or a pick instead of Carson Wentz. And I think that in pure Eagles um, quarterback controversy, um, it's Jalen Hurts. He could look great going down the stretch. And then we go into preseason and we have these two guys basically battling for that starting uh, quarterback position. And I think that's more how, so how this is going to go going it's forward. Ridiculous. We're mentioning um, – the Arizona game, and we mentioned the wide receivers, but as you guys know, I'm not a defensive coordinator, but I just don't understand why the Saints were playing Jalen Hurts like he was a pocket passer or like, you know, more of a like a, a Philip Rivers kind of player or something like that, because Jalen Hurts in college rushed for almost 9,500 yards. And just last year, he rushed for um, I have it right here, 3,851 yards. Why were the Saints playing Jalen Hurts like he wasn't going to run all over them? That, that's just, for me, that's where the Eagles lucked out because I understand you don't have film on Jalen Hurts, but but you know that he he, he scrambles and, and he, can, he, he can pick up those chunk yards. And now going into this Cardinals game, it's going to be different because now the, there's some film on Jalen Hurts and now the run game, I don't think the Eagles will obviously abandon the run game, but I think that they're going to try to try to pass the ball more. And Doug Peterson's going to reach in that playbook and give Jalen Hurts more passing plays. So, so to answer so to answer your question about getting into the mindset of a defensive coordinator, honestly, I kind of would have approached it the same way. So, it's not necessarily that they treated Jalen Hurts as a pocket passer. It was the fact that they know Jalen Hurts is more is more um, prone to running than he will throwing the football. So the thing is, when you're when you pin your ears back and you just send your defensive lineman after a quarterback, you know, especially a, a quarterback that has the ability to run, you run that chance of him dodging all of your defenders and getting out of the pocket, a la Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. That was the fear that the Saints had going into that. Did I think now, do I agree with you that they played a little too conservative against Jalen Hurts? Oh, yes, absolutely. I expected more blitzes like um that touchdown throw to Alshon Jeffrey. I expected more blitz like that, but we didn't get that going into the game. And it, it was very shocking, to say the least. But that's the reason why they did it. They know that he, you know, for the most part, rookie quarterbacks, especially the ones that have the ability to run, they're going to go one look. And if that looks not there, they're going to take off. So that was their fear. All right. It's bad enough. You had, they had to probably um, game plan for Miles Sanders. You know, they probably factored Miles Sanders into the game. But I think, you know. I think you're giving the Saints too much credit to you. I think the Saints came in there. They were, they were too. You know they're too cocky about it, and they—I I feel like they were a little sloppy with the uh, the defensive play call. And they are—they're already in the playoffs. Um, well, here's the thing: they—they—you could argue that there's a look ahead game, right? Yeah. Because look who they have coming up this week in Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. overlooking the Eagles. Um, like I mentioned, third game on the road. Let let me just get back home, see my family, things like that. But uh, when you got the Chiefs looming ahead uh, on the road, or 
against i'm pretty sure it's in new orleans right mm-hmm. most positive to new orleans not obviously it's not going to be four in a row on the road but um but when you have kansas city looming ahead it's definitely possibly they overlooked um the eagles and i want to touch on some play calling from doug and uh, i'll look ahead to the cardinals game and the problems that kyler murray is going to present because Taysom hill obviously isn't kyler murray but a couple of decisions you know to go for it a few times he lucked out on the jalen hurts alshon jeffrey connection for that touchdown i mean tanner mentioned on bird's nest but Overall, I think that was just a bad decision. I would have kicked the three points. I know Jake Elliott hasn't been, you know, automatic this year, but you want to get on the board with three points. And I, the way we've been playing, I don't think it was a smart decision to go for it. Obviously, it worked out. We got the touchdown. Um, later on in the game, he tries going for a QB sneak with Hurts. Uh, he's not able to get it. I just think a few times he just got a little lucky. Will Lutz, if he makes those two kicks, obviously we could be talking about a different story here. He misses a field goal, um, and I believe another extra point. So there, there's some luck involved in this game. Uh, overall, but you got to look and and think about uh, the Saints defense, which is I point to as probably the best run stuff defense in the league. And we were able to run pretty well. Miles Sanders obviously wasn't efficient overall besides that 82 yard carry or for the touchdown, but Jalen Hurts rushing 18 times for 106 yards. If you told me beforehand, that's what was going to happen. I would have told you you were crazy because that run defense for New Orleans is just so tough. So Mm -hmm. looking ahead of this upcoming week in the, you know, problems that Hopkins and Murray present. Even that Cardinals defense was isn't terrible, probably mid-pack in the league. Uh, what do you guys think about our chances of pulling off a, a, of an upset here? I'm not going to say anything because I'm done picking games, but I'll leave it in your two hands to see uh, if you have any faith. I mean, Max, you seem to be on the roll. I mean, you pre- you're the only one out of the three of us that predicted that the Saints were going to lose. So Don't you know. give them that credit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, T, here's the thing. I just keep saying they're going to win until yeah, they finally ludicrous. do. So, uh, but <laughs> Kyler Murray, uh, just the outside the pocket presence, being able to take off and run. I, one of the faster quarterbacks in the league, probably behind Lamar Jackson, the second fastest, and DeAndre Hopkins, if we don't have Darius Slay, would be uh, even a bigger issue than he already is. So, I'm not too worried about the rushing attack. Uh, the running backs are okay, decent. You know, Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. I don't have, uh, you know, too much faith in that he's going to produce because he hasn't really this year. He's been banged up a little bit. But uh, I think when they signed him to that big contract there in Arizona, I raised a few two highbrows to it because I was like, depending on Drake, you know, he didn't have too much success in Miami, comes over in that trade to Arizona um, and plays well down the stretch the final few games of the year. But then he gets, um, you know, rewarded with that huge contract that I don't know if it was deserved, but obviously Cliff Kingsbury thought uh, he found his uh, – running back one in that backfield. So Christian Kirk's speed threat, he's going to pr- uh, provide problems for the Eagles uh, over the top. But uh, it's going to be a tough task. I think if the defense can keep that intensity from last week's game against the Saints, that we have a shot to maybe contain them. But the thing is, will we be able to put together a performance offensively uh, just like we did this past game to really keep match with that high-powered offense there in Arizona? And that's that's my big thing, man. Like, it, it's – not only, you know, stopping DeAndre Hopkins, which I fear even at full strength, his secondary wasn't going to be able to do. Now, the play that I definitely don't think they could be able to do, but you still got to contain Kyler Murray. So at this point, I, I'm still predicting the loss at this point. Like, I, mm-hmm. I just don't think that this defense is going to be able to step up to the plate and be able to stop that high potent um, Arizona. Also, offense. traveling on the road, too. You got to throw that factor in there. Traveling, as well. on, traveling on the road, and, you know, in this, you know, Jalen Hurts for the first time going into an away game as a starter, you know, and that Cardinals defense is, has stepped up to the plate over the weeks and, and it's getting better and better each week. You know, they're really learning, learning how to execute that scheme. So, eh, I just don't see a win. I don't. 
I think that the Eagles are going to make this game close, uh, but ultimately they are not going to win. I think the final score is going to be around 20, 24. Uh, the Eagles are going to show fight, and I don't think it's going to be like a usual Eagles game where they have a chance at the end. I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, and um, I, I hate you. Kyler Murray is going to show out. Um, and this is there's history between Kyler and and Jalen because um, I, I if correct me if I'm wrong, but Jalen Hurts came in in Alabama after Kyler left, and, mm-hmm. and that's when he had his breakout year with with Lincoln Riley. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, there's history between them. I, they're probably friends, but just um, you know when you play friends, you you try to play a little better. So I think that's gonna that's gonna factor into it. Yeah, agreed 100%. I think I'm not predicting a win just based on the fact that Arizona and that quarterback situation that they have there is much better than Taysom Hill. And I think the defense, like T mentioned, is the biggest factor in all this. Possibly the the offense will be able to produce and put up points, but there's no track record of that happening. You know, the receivers have kind of been mediocre, even that win against the Saints this past weekend. The tight ends will do their thing. I'm sure they'll be heavily targeted. The question is, will Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders be able to run all over that defense? And I just don't see it happening. But here's the thing. It's a possibility because of the fact that we thought that rushing defense in New Orleans was going to be able to stop Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. They weren't able to do it. So I think that's where, uh, you know, some help um, lies in our favor from that standpoint. But, again, like Tanner mentioned, the defense, um, T as well, of course. But overall, I think the defense is going to be the issue. You know, that's the thing I'm going to be looking at in this game, uh, you know, um, with with look ahead towards what's going to happen towards the end of the season with Jalen Hurts. Like, is he going to be able to replicate the performance from last week? And if he is, then, you know, then you're going to – I mean, it's just going to keep – like I mentioned, it's going to keep rolling, steamrolling down the road, and you got to look ahead to how many headaches is that going to cause this Eagles front office? Because mm-hmm. if Jalen Hurts keeps rolling, you know, it's just going to – the Wentz-Hurts comparisons will just keep um, flooding the media and things well, like that. Well, then- and then we got well, then the front office is going to have a really big decision to make come the offseason. Exactly. I don't know. Um, I think it was Tanner that said that you know the, he thinks that he's going. They were going to run in with both of them at at quarterback um, in the next season. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think regardless, I, yeah. I, I think regardless of how this season goes, there's only going to be one of them going into the um, the next season as a Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. There's no it's way. It's crazy that the vision is still a possibility, though. At this point, I mean, I think it's I think it's a very big possibility that that Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts are on this team in the preseason and they're competing for that spot. I think that's wow. you know that's how the Eagles usually roll, and that's uh, you know you're in a bad situation because you have the you're a quarterback you thought was the franchise quarterback, and you go ahead and you draft a quarterback in the second round. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers seems to be doing fine after the Packers drafted the quarterback first. Um, that's so the thing, man. Like, I, I just how it affects people. And Dan right. Orlovsky, who's a huge Carson Wentz fan, said that Carson Wentz feels betrayed. And I, if that's the case, then then I guess more of a mental problem. I think Aaron Rodgers just has that confidence in himself. Look, I mean, Super Bowl champion uh, in the running for MVP alongside Patrick Mahomes, and it doesn't look like it bothers him one bit. But you have Jordan Love behind him, who, you know, at the end of the day, what am I going to, what is he going to do? Go up to Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, this is my team now. You know, you're not going to say that to Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers, but Hurts' standpoint, the Eagles were losing and losing and losing. Wentz is just playing absolutely horribly over the past whole season, basically. So in Hurts' mind, he's like, why can't I get a shot? So I think that's, that's a little different comparison there, but 
overall, yeah, I think going into next season, will I be surprised if Hertz and Wentz are on this team? Probably. I honestly would be because after the season's over, I think there's going to be some sort of turnover. I think there's either going to be a coaching change or a GM change. And I'm assuming whoever steps in there and takes the reins is going to want to change. And that's why, in my opinion, I think both of them probably won't be here. Beating off a now, I'm not comparing both Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz. Of course. Of course. Aaron Rodgers. Right, right, cool. I was talking about the, situ- the situation. Yeah. The situation. No, but I, I want to go back. You said Super Bowl champion and MVP. Now, I know it's a little different because Carson Wentz, he, he, did, lead, he did lead the team to the playoffs. And right. Nick Foles just had to finish it. So, so Carson Wentz is technically a Super Bowl champion. And he was also in the running for MVP. So given those things, Carson Wentz has to have, I don't, you know, we're all different people and we don't know how each other's heads work. And it seems more so that Carson Wentz is struggling internally and, you know, the, the news and media go out and say that all the time. So that that's a big factor too. But I think Carson Wentz didn't give himself enough credit when he got injured, um, leaving out the the rest of the job to Carson or to, to Nick Foles to finish out the Super Bowl. And we should give Carson Wentz, you know, credit for that Super Bowl run because without him, we definitely would not have finished eleven and three. Um, of course, year now. Yeah. Now feeding into what Tanner said earlier about you know Dan Orlovsky and what he said about Carson Wentz not being comfortable. Um, look, man, as a competitor, if it makes you uncomfortable that the team drafted somebody in, in at your same position, then what does that say to you as a competitor? Should that be true? If it's true, then Carson Wentz is mentally weak. And first off, that's not good for a quarterback in the NFL. And that's and secondly, that's not good for a quarterback in the NFL who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's not good. Well, see, here's you the can't thing. Be, here's the you thing. can't be mentally weak. I think weak. going forward in this league, you need somebody with mobility. I just think no Carson doubt. Wentz's mobility is absolutely shot. Now, he has taken off that. and he's run a few times. Other people disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine. But I just feel like his mobility – um, I guess shot probably wasn't the right word to use, but not as what it once was. And Jalen Hurts definitely has more of it. Um, but look at the look, even Patrick Mahomes can move, and and Russell Wilson can move. They're not known for speed burners, but they can definitely escape the pocket better than Carson Wentz can. Well, no. I think that's what's taken away from Wentz's ability is the fact that he just looks slow. He can't move up in the pocket. He can't escape the pocket well and run. He can escape it and throw. Uh, but I don't think he can take off and, and you know, really make a third and 13 scrambling and complete that on the ground. Um, something I think Jalen Hurts will be able to do. So that's why I'm not a fan of Carson moving forward. But again, it doesn't matter what I'm a fan of. The fact of the matter is we have him locked up. So that's my opinion, why you have to keep him around. And the only way that you can get him back on track and in order to win football games is a new coaching scheme, in my opinion. I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that wholeheartedly. I think at this point, you know, in Carson Wentz's career, I think the marriage between him and Doug Peterson is over, and I don't think it's just it's, it's not going to work out. The only way it's going to work out is if you bring somebody else who wants to keep Carson Wentz and thinks that Carson Wentz exactly. is still fixable. So I completely agree with you on that. Different combination. I, I think that's the only thing that could work out here uh, in order to salvage Carson Wentz because I just think his mobility isn't once what it was. Um, you see him sacked a bunch of times. Now, the pressure got to Hurts, but he's just able to escape and scramble. I mean, that's the key. I mean, Wentz – uh missing reads and we can dive in into the film i know we want to move on to the sixers here shortly but uh, there's rumors out there that he doesn't love football people are coming questioning that you know at the end of the day he has god big religious guy and people are saying uh mentally in his mind does he think football is not number one priority at the end of the day because of how religious he is and he thinks god has a plan and all this thing all things like that do you guys buy into any of that no i just want to go back to how nick Foles was 
And Nick Foles was ready to to go ahead and quit with football, but then he went on a I believe it was a hunting trip with his with his brother in law. Uh, if I if I you know I read his book, but uh, you know not everything stuck. But um, going back to what you said about Carson Wentz and him not exactly you know having football first, I kind of can see that because I complained about it a few weeks ago when it was the bye week and Carson Wentz was out there hunting instead of you know in in the gym or on the field with his team practicing throws that he he did need that practice going into that bye week he was struggling as well as he was the rest of the the season after that but um I think that Carson Wentz obviously he he loves football he's made this far in football and you can't this far without having some sort of you know extra feeling about the game of football but I think you know he has a child now um he he does certainly love hunting. I know his brothers have a uh, a hunting account on Instagram, and mm-hmm. they travel too. So maybe he's got a few things taking his mind off football, and that that could go into it. And I agree that he hasn't been taking football as number one priority. It seems to me, uh, as part of the media, that that is that way. I mean, look, uh, see. I disagree with the fact that, you know, you said that he should be working on his mechanics, um, you know, during this bye week, you know, maybe he needed that mental break, you know, athletes are people too. And, you know, if, you know, I know hunting is one of those things where, you know, he he's able to, you know, just go away from the everyday life of a quarterback and be able to do him, do do something that he enjoys. It's the same thing with us. You know, we, we communicate, we talk sports all the time on the, on our text chat. And, you know, there's some days that, you know, we just need a mental break. So I can't get mad at him for that. Or from that aspect, do I think he should be working on his game? Yeah. But at the same time, I also understand he's a human being. So I can relate to him on, on that account of just going out and hunting during the bye week. I agree with him. I Listen, anything that you can probably do to take your mind off of, you know, the, the issues that's going on on the field and whatnot in your mechanics, look, do it. But at the same time, don't forget, you still got work to do. You got to come back and you got to work hard. Now, that thing, now that part, I, 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 I have not seen. Yeah. That's that the thing, because he comes back. With. He comes back, and what? It's the same old thing. Same right. inconsistency, same things like that. Now, and, and that I have a problem with. questions himself, like, why aren't I playing that great? That's because you didn't take the time and, you know, practice. And I understand the, the point that T brings up. Sometimes uh, if you're playing like that, you just need to step away from football for, you know, a couple days and, and right. uh, focus on something else and maybe that'll help improve your game mentally but in his case he's not playing good he steps away from football for the bye week and comes back and he's still not playing good so nothing improved to me there so i think for carson wentz standpoint he needs to be there practicing well here's the thing uh he's getting an extended mental break because he's not going to play anymore this season <laughs> i don't know um, i don't know if it's what? a mental break he, he's you know, <laughs> stirring and and angrily cra- uh, clapping when Jalen Hurts uh, scores a touchdown. Yeah. So. Well, here's the thing: I'll give him credit for. It. He's not going to social media and voicing his frustration. Right. Yeah, I agree. With we that. know it's hard. I agree with that, man. So, he so could I'll easily make a scene out of that. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, let's roll over to some Sixers here. Yeah, I know you've been a busy guy, but we got to touch on these Sixers. Absolutely. Um, oh, I caught the Sixers game. Are you able to catch it? All oh, right. So let's it. dive into it. Joel Embiid, 18 points in the first half. Um, it's looks Nicholas dry, looks Sorry, a little Feffing. looks a little bit quicker uh but overall i mean guys what are your first impressions of mb looks like he could be an mvp candidate this year with the shape that he that he's in oh man mb look good mb look good i like the fact that he didn't hesitate off of the pick and pop um i like the little chemistry that he has with shake milton 
I know, man. I don't, man. Tyrone Maxey, man, is very explosive off the ball. He, oh he, man, he is, he is explosive. He, Floaters in the lane, nice little layups. I'm like, okay, okay, young boy. I see. <laughs> yeah, that it was. Um, I actually have two notes. Embiid looked good, and and Maxey exclamation marks. So I, I was very excited watching this game. Of course, you know it, it's the preseason. Right. These guys played for a little bit, so the first couple of a uh, couple of minutes the offense seemed like they weren't on the same page and that, that could work for both teams but you know we're down eight two um in the beginning of the game and things started to pick up um and there's 10 assists just in the first quarter so that that was good and I'm very excited to see uh the perimeter shooting improve with you know Seth and Danny but uh in the first half uh we were one of 12 from above the arc so that was you know, a little questionable, but I, I, once again, preseason. Right. So I'm going to see where this team goes. We mentioned how Embiid looked good and how he can sort of take over this team. And I, I want to ignore all the hardened rumors and everything because I want to focus on these guys yeah. that we have yeah. on the team right now. And I'm excited to see them all work together. And the beautiful part about the fact that even though they went one for 12 shooting from the, from the perimeter, you know, the beautiful part was, in the second quarter, I don't know if you noticed this in that second, third quarter, they went away from that. They went away from primarily shooting from deep and they started hitting more mid ranges. They started running more pick and rolls. All right. They started going to the, going to the basket a little bit more. That's the one, what that's one of my main complaints that I had last year that they didn't do. They just stuck with the three and they lived and died by it. And I'm like, dude, you, you guys are good enough to where, you know, there is a mid range and you guys are good enough to where you can drive to the paint and draw fouls. And that's what they started doing against the Celtics. And I can appreciate Appreciate that. Yeah, we also should bring up how Simmons has seemed to start at the end of the last season too, and into this preseason game. He's improving on his free throw shooting. He was four or five um, against yeah. the Celtics, and that's that's something to notice because he, he's got a few things to improve on. Um, the the it's about damn time three point shooting, but also you know free uh, free throws are very important in this game. Um, in the NBA especially, and for the Sixers too, because you hit the line and then those those missed free throws come back to haunt you sometimes. Yeah, they do. And with Agreed. the insurance that you have improved uh, at the free throw line, I know Seth Curry he um, and, and Danny Green, they only hit one three the game. They I think um, Seth Curry shot four times and Danny Green yep. three. So I definitely want to see two. that. Yeah. More. And, and these are the cobwebs that that'll be brushed off. Yeah, Tanner, from my notes, I have Corkmaz, question mark, Tobias, question mark, and Dwight Howard is still a monster. Those Tobias, are my three notes. Man, Tobias, Tobias, 16 points. That's the thing. That, that's the thing. And, and the, the question mark means the role. You know, he's 7 of 11, uh, definitely looked pretty solid for the most part. Got a couple easy baskets, 16 and 9 he put up. So Corkmaz, on the other hand, looks like he's getting some serious minutes. Now, me personally, I've never been a big Corkmaz fan. I'm mm-hmm. just, frankly, I thought he shouldn't even be back with the team last year. But the fact that a lot of minutes, he can do one thing, and we all know that, knock down threes when he's open. Uh, apparently, he worked on his ball handling a lot. He mentioned in the offseason to be able to be a better on-ball uh, well, on ball defender, but also you know be able to contribute and run a little bit of the show. Um, Doc Rivers has stated that it's a possibility he's one of the main guys in the rotation, um, which we'll see. I mean, he had an impressive first game, but here's the thing. Do you trust that going forward from what I've seen in his whole career? Probably not, but – one thing I want to ask you guys about is Matisse Steibel, who didn't have his best game overall, uh, had a couple cheap fouls he shouldn't have picked up, and offensively he just looked indecisive, um, driving to the basket, looked like he was going to shoot, but then he would pass the last second and turn the ball over. So 
I don't know if he's going to be a mainstay. I mean, this is a guy who people were considering to put in the starting lineup before, you know, all these trades happen and things like that. But overall, I think Dwight Howard, to, to wrap up my end of things, still on a veteran minimum deal, man, he is still one of the more physically, um, you know, productive, in-shape guys that's in this league. Oh, yeah! You could argue maybe he's not as talented and as gifted at this point in his career as maybe like an Al Horford because I still think Al Horford's a good player. I think he's going to produce in Oklahoma City. But at the end of the day, I think Dwight Howard is still going to be productive in a backup role. I agree with that, man. Dwight Howard did surprise me with, you know, the energy that he provided. He's, he's going to be a nice backup for Joel Embiid to spill minutes for. Uh, man, I I know it's preseason, but I that that preseason game really encouraged That's me. That's the thing, though. That's like like – Everybody who's out there and, and listening, thinking now oh, preseason, who cares? Like this is a whole different role, right? This is a whole new team. We want to see what how these guys produce, what the rotations like, because that's another thing. Doc Rivers says he wants to have a ten man rotation, but who are those backup guys? You know, Dwight Howard, do you expect to be one of them? Um, Shake Milton, of course, but there's other spots left open. Mike Scott actually got uh, more playing time, I believe, yep. than Matisse Thybulle did, which is surprising because I think he was. Uh, underutilized in Brett Brown's system last season as well. Did you see that? You see Mike Scott's play picked up in the game too. Mike Scott had a couple good shots, uh, you know, up in there, you know, a couple good, you know, energy drives on defense. So, you know, maybe Mike Scott will finally get, you know, the minutes that he deserves. Tyrese Maxey's looked productive, uh, of course, in the first game, and he finally got be, was able to get back to practice with the team. Um, somehow Justin Anderson, who they signed in the offseason, apparently he looks good. Apparently he looks good in the practices and that's why he was able to stick around um, after they got rid of Derek Walton Jr. I believe he was cut uh, during the practices before the first preseason game. So uh, we'll see what happens in the Indiana Pacers game coming up. I know Joel Embiid mm-hmm. will not play. Uh, yeah. Stayed in Philly, didn't take the flight, non-COVID related illness. Yeah. But overall, I think Ben Simmons this year, uh, I think he's going to have a sneaky good season. He's always just going to be putting up stats um, you know, in the box score. I think going forward, we'll have to we'll have to see. But I'm looking forward to December 23rd, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing Russell Westbrook in that uh, Wizards uniform coming Man. to Philly and see what he can produce. You for know them. what? And, you know what? Speaking of outside the NBA, I, I just got to put this. I I got to put a couple things out there before we go ahead and you know call it a call it an episode. But you know what, man? I I seen some pictures surfacing, man. Why James Harden come to training camp looking like Jason Peters? Like, why he looked like he came in looking like a left tackle in for the NFL? That was ridiculous. I'm just saying, man. Damn. Like, yo, you know, and you know, the funny is thing overweight. is, that's the thing. People that were rumored out there him going to Vegas and going to Atlanta, um, and, and especially last season, if the Rockets had a three three day stretch of all days, he would actually fly out. Um, he would go out and do it, do his own thing, whether that be going to clubs whether that be going to work with his personal trainers wherever that may be uh, both positives and negatives obviously the team probably internally obviously doesn't like that but at the end of the day he would come <laughs> back and drop a triple double so i mean how can you argue with that yeah but why yeah, am I, I yeah mean, but why my man's come in look, <laughs> looking like a whole offensive lineman like his weight is screaming out take me out coach i'm just saying <laughs> well, now now this might be you know another thing to add to to the james harden sixers rumors i don't think it'd be a good idea with him and joel Embiid in the same you know same kitchen together um, with Joel Embiid's eating habits, and now we see what what that did to James Harden. Um, those two might not be good together, um, health wise. Listen, the stamp paddleness. 
I think James Harden coming to Philly is still a bad idea. I'd rather have Ben Simmons. I, I just agree. think the age, uh, the possibility of him not even hitting his ceiling yet, and the possibility of him becoming a top five player in the league. Let's just stay pat. Like Tanner mentioned, I liked our team. I like where we're at. I like these players, the shooters that we surrounded these guys with. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid look to be ready to go, look to be in shape. Um, full focus is coming up for, for Wednesday night, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Um, and again, stick around. All the updates coming to you on the Philly Experience podcast on Instagram. And with that, T, we shut it down. All right, y'all. If y'all missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. We are available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whatever. However you get your podcast downloads, we're there. I can guarantee that. All right? Don't at me. But from all of us to yours, have a happy holidays. Stay safe. Six feet apart. Continue to wear your mask. We love y'all. We'll talk to you guys a little later. Happy holidays. Hi, everybody. See you next week. Kind of circumcising the mosquito. I want me some glory hope. We got our ass kicked. In my opinion, that sucked.